Hello, everyone, and welcome back to HOA, It's a True Story. Today, we're talking with Walter Block. He is the Senior Vice President of Pacific Western Bank. Today, we're going to be discussing banking and funding for HOAs. Uh, Walter, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to HOA, It's a True Story. Well, thank you. Also joining us. Oh, yeah, we're glad to have you. I really appreciate your time. Also joining us today is Bill Mann, our president at GB Group. Hi, Bill. Hi, Reagan. So, Walter, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about how you got into banking and in the HOA industry as a whole. Well, basically, I've been in banking pretty much my whole life, but I got into the HOA industry. I've been a commercial lender for many years with a smaller bank in San Diego and an individual there asked me what he thought or what I thought of this HOA program that was going to be started. And I looked at it and went through it and thought, well, that makes all the sense in the world that we can lend to that. And uh, then I was introduced to an attorney up in Orange County. And from there, I realized that we could make some defect litigation loans at that time, which was in the heyday to these associations to pay for the destructive testing, the legal fees, and so forth. Well, from there, it really took off, and I was introduced to numerous people and realized that this is a very viable industry to do these loans for these HOAs. Uh, it became an option and a very viable option for them to get this work done and not have to come up with major special assessments on every member of the association. So that's kind of where I got into it. It's been now probably close to 39 years. You mentioned that they used to get loans for their construction defect litigation. Most law firms that I know of now seem to work through that on the front end themselves and then charge the HOA at the end for whatever fees got expended. Uh, Do you still see anybody that gets loans to take their property through litigation? No, uh, not at this time, because most of them, most of the attorneys have their own lines of credit and they do it on their own. And a lot of them are individual, uh, not just the full association so that we're not involved with that. I haven't made a defect litigation loan in probably 25 years. And uh, I don't see myself making another one in the near future. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So one of the challenges that I know Bill and I have seen and we've spoken on through various association groups over the last, I'd say, three years is that there's been a lot of underfunding in projects, wouldn't you say, Bill? Yes, that's been a really significant problem. Almost every project now that uh, of any size that we're getting involved in, there's funding issues. And it, it seems like the cost of construction and labor just increased uh, before they could kind of get a handle on getting the reserves caught up or they were getting kind of blindsided by material increases. One of the challenges I think that they've had is getting reserves caught up to speed, but I think loans then became certainly a a much more lucrative offer. What is the process, Walter, that an HOA goes through when they need to get a loan or determining that they need a loan? Well, most of the time they realize that they don't have the funds to do the project. And many times what they have using for reserves, those items, 
fail quicker than what the reserve study is showing. So now they have to come up with these large amounts and they don't have it or they've never raised their dues properly to stay up with it. And now they're at a dilemma. Do we do a large special assessment? Everybody has to come up with 15, 20,000 or do we look at a loan, which is an option? And basically these loans are a very viable option because if there's a special assessment that needs to be in place, it could be maybe $100, $200 a month extra per, for the homeowner compared to twenty or 30000 up front. So it became a viable option. Um, but I think part of it, what Bill is saying, uh, the cost is going up. But the other part is that many associations really never raised their dues properly to stay in line with what the costs were going to be. Mm, that makes sense. So what is the process when they want to get a loan? What do they do to get that started? Well, they normally go through their property manager who contacts the bank that this person uh, the ma or the management company banks with and gets uh, applications from different banks, uh, sends them to the bank. We look at them, uh, make some sense. We send them an acceptance letter, which is an expression of interest. They then have that from different banks and decide who they want to use and all that. The difference for what I do is that I actually do the underwriting of these loans, a uh, little different than most of the other banks who have to send it somewhere and do this and that. But we're all pretty close in, in the rates. Some, some have a little lower rate here and there, but uh, it just depends on who they like and is the rate reasonable and can they perform. I'm fortunate that if someone asks me how long it's going to take, when can we get this? I can do it because I do it. A lot that of was my next question. How quickly, since you're overseeing that process, how quickly can you get a loan turned around, maybe as opposed to your competitors? Oh, probably more than half. I mean, I can do a loan probably in uh, three weeks once I get all the information. Wow. But again, that is really it depends quick. on my volume. It depends on my volume. I, right now, I am as busy as I have ever been since I started doing this. <laughs> yeah, I, I imagine. I'm not uh, surprised to hear that. So, <laughs> I'm sure you're not, Bill. <laughs> it's amazing. And I think. Go ahead. Now, does your uh, does your institution or or and I'm assuming some governing documents require votes of the membership in order to do a loan, or are there some avenues boards can take where they can actually get a loan without a vote of the membership? It depends on their governing documents. And if their governed documents don't provide for a vote, then we'll follow the governing documents. We have a few that we've done here where there was no vote required. And the only time, obviously, there will be a vote is if there's a special assessment involved. And we've been able to do a few loans without a special assessment. Uh, their reserves are in good condition, uh, although not enough to take care of the project. But again, they're going forward during the term of the loan and in, and actually improving their reserves. So those are things that come in when you look at the underwriting. I'm really amazed at how quickly you can turn a loan around. It feels like some of the ones we've dealt with uh, waiting for projects to get started for loans seem to wait for months. Wouldn't you agree, Bill? I feel like some of them have been, you know, four or five months waiting for loans. Oh, a lot of them have been, so... Yeah. Well, it, it just depends. I mean, number one, when I say three weeks or so, 
once I get the full loan package, all the documents, all the financials, everything from that time generally would take maybe three, four weeks at the most. But again, it depends on my volume. I mean, right now I'm going nuts and I've had to have a couple other people step in and help with some of these loans because I can't keep up with the volume. Even more reason why we want to thank you for participating today. I know that taking this time is really <laughs> No, it's fine. I'm happy. Well, tell me, how is it or is it different for a small HOA versus a large HOA when they're requesting a loan? Well, there, there's not a major difference other than we have a limitation on the size of the association. If an association is less than 25 units, we're not even going to touch it. We're not going to get involved. If it's over 25, we will. However, there are limitations on what the dollar size of the assessment would be for the special assessment. And for smaller units, it's a little questionable how much of an assessment would we accept. An example, let's say their monthly dues is $500, but they need to do a special assessment for maybe 350 400 a unit. I probably would back off if it was a small association because it would put a lot of pressure on people to pay that amount and maybe create another delinquency that we won't have today. So there's different, how should I say it? Part of it is just understanding the industry and what's reasonable to do. And that comes into play once in a while and more so with the smaller units. Is there something that small HOAs can do to try to get some kind of funding program going? Or is it just assessments or nothing? Because I I know that we've had um, managers come to us before and they say, we have a small association that needs repairs, but they can't get a loan. You know, what can you guys do? And there's not much that we've been able to redirect. How, How small are you talking? Oh, they're like 10, 12 units. There's a no, lot of... That'll never happen. Units. Yeah. That, that will never happen. The way we underwrite these loans, it, it won't work. If, if there's 10 units and one person decides he can't pay or this or that, then we're having a problem right away. We're, we're, we can't underwrite it. And we're not going to go and take personal guarantees from individuals and all that, do it like a normal business loan. It's not going to work. And and we wouldn't even want to get involved with all that. So there's limitations. And the smaller ones, unfortunately, I do not know a lender that will do it for 10, 15 units, even 20. I mean, there would be an exceedingly exception to do it that way, especially, Mm -hmm. let's say, 20 compared to 25. Walter, have there been a lot of defaults on these loans over the years? Have you seen uh, associations default on them or have they been fairly stable? I uh, never had one go south on me at all in 39 years. Well, that's good. And I don't I only know two in the whole country. This was 20 years ago that had a problem where it became a uh, a bad loan and they had the non-accrual and this and that, but there were two issues. One was a bank that had no idea what they were doing and the other was fraud on the board. And oh. uh, but the banks eventually got their money but it took a, took a while. But again, uh, if you do it right and all that, I would think that should be no, no issue. I mean, I have not had one go south 
and I've only had a few where we've had to redo or refinance the loan uh, because let's say one I remember vividly an elevator collapsed and so we had to forgive a few payments for a while until we can lend them some additional money to get that repaired. Mm. So, it, you know, when we make a loan to an association, I've always felt we've become their partner. That's a great way to look at it. Are loans only for construction related projects or can they get them for other improvements like solar or electric charging stations or that sort of thing? Yes, they can. As long as it's for the association, uh, they can get loans for that. Now, remember that some banks, including ours, have a minimum loan amount. Uh, we're not going to make a loan for 50000 I mean, we're really not even making a loan today for 100000 Our minimums today are around two hundred to two fifty, And the reason being is we can't keep up with it. It, it just, wow. just doesn't make any economic sense anymore to do them that way. That's incredible. I had no idea. Well, with material prices shooting up the way they have been, lumber and, and concrete and these sort of things have become very expensive. The need to bridge the gap in reserves versus loans or assessments, um, I don't see it slowing down anytime soon. Do you see more and more requests for a combination thereof where they're doing an assessment and a loan at the same time? Well, most of them are involving an assessment. If they're doing a loan, the most 90% need an assessment or a special assessment to do it. There are some that don't, but most do. And uh, right now, I think the uh, pandemic has created more and more of these loans. Most people are now at home and doing this and seems like people know that or see, we need to do this. Why, are, why is this a problem? Blah, blah, blah. So more more people are getting involved with their associations and more requests are coming in and things are aging dramatically. I mean, when you look at when all these associations, primarily, let's say in Southern California were built, it, there, there's a, the eighties and nineties, these were all built and there's major problems now that are cropping up in, in Orange County. For an example, there's an epidemic in, in Orange County with pinhole leaks in the pipes. And those have uh, to be replaced. Yeah. And that has been probably, probably at least 50% of the loans I do is for pinholy for the pipes. Wow. That's incredible. Have you seen any other challenges that the pandemic created for the HOA industry in regards to loans and banking? No, just more Zoom meetings and uh, not meeting <laughs> with meeting with the board. That's kind of where it's been. But uh, no, I... I haven't seen any major changes, truthfully, doing it. We've I mean, actually probably seen more people attending meetings and getting involved so that there's been a little bit more scrutiny. Uh, and you probably don't get that on the front end of the loan request. But no, I don't. Yeah, I imagine the manager really is dealing with those sorts of things. Yeah. Is, is the manager responsible for the general banking needs or does the board do that? Who, who actually picks the bank? Well, the manager will probably send applications to different banks and then bring it to the board. And the board will then make the final decision of who they want to use for that loan. Interview like myself, another lender, whatever. I mean, it's up to the board final to make the decision who they go with on the loan. But the manager gets the information to them. 
are there any red flags that a board would want to know that that they would kind of identify as being a reason to start looking for a new bank? I, I don't know, other than not getting timely information, making errors on their deposit account. You know, it's it, it's rare. I mean, no, most of them move when the management company uh, they move fr from their management company, and the management company is banking with another bank. So that's when they most of the time will move their account. What do you wish every board knew about their banking relationship that maybe is hard to convey to them? That's a very good question. I'm not sure what they would like to know other than institution has been in the industry for quite a while, understands it, deals with it, can answer questions if somebody uh, raises that, and is timely. I mean, if a bank is not timely in getting responses to the people or to the management company, that becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. What about trusts that get set up for HOAs that are either going into litigation? Do you guys do that kind of thing too? No, I'm not involved with that at this time. I, not, I haven't been, but no, we are not. Any other questions that you have, Bill, for Walter? Well, I will circle back, Walter. I thought it was very interesting about the, the repiping uh, pandemic, you might want to call, of the 80s construction. Are you seeing any other issues? Those are typically unreserved items because most of the reserve companies consider those lifetime components. You know, I'm starting to see some of the older buildings, particularly in San Francisco and some of the old urban areas, you know, that were built uh, over 100 years ago. And they're starting to look at their electrical systems and things that weren't reserved either. So are there some of those other type items that you're seeing coming up in loan documents? Because those are definitely not funded issues. And I see a shortfall immediately coming out of a problem that would be addressed from something like that. Well, that, that is true. And I don't see too many others. I mean, the standards, the roofs and siding and decks and balconies and all that, those seem to be, you know, the standard type items. The pipes, it is an issue for some of the older buildings. I, I've done a couple that are up near the Beverly Hills area on some high rises that had to redo their pipes. And that was like a major problem and you would appreciate they got all the the plans for the building to be able to maybe work, see where the pipes are right. to get them taken care of fortunately the plans didn't go with what the pipes were actually at and it created, <laughs> pretty common <laughs> that's a created pretty common a, issue <laughs> created a major problem and it increased costs by about three million dollars to get the project done Wow. Well, and it's also area. interesting too, you start getting those older projects and the, our wonderful, you know, lead paints and asbestos and yeah. the drywall and all those ugly things rear their heads too. So. That is true. That is very true. So, you know, we all have done different ones for different reasons, different types, and it's still the case. I mean, we're still getting those, you know, the, the ones you have up in San Francisco, Bill, with all that, I mean, we, we're fairly new down here in Orange County and to uh, LA. It's not as old as the San Francisco buildings. We haven't had that many of those issues, or at least I haven't been involved with too many of them other than a few. So mine are mainly the 80s and 90s and even now a few current ones, but that, that's pretty much it. With the, um, 
what we call the balcony bill, the SB 326 inspections. Are you seeing loan requests come in from those yet? Yes. The, I mean, the, the height of them, and the, they don't meet the policies today. The well, yeah, they have, they have that whole inspection requirement. So they're yeah. having to inspect their balcony decks, which a lot of people don't have funding to rebuild or repair. So, yeah. Well, I have one association we did a major renovation for, and the railings on the balconies are way too low, mm. and it's a high rise. Mm. But they still haven't done it. And I don't know if they'll ever be told mandatorily to do it, but we're ready if they need it. Uh, but they've been holding off on doing that. So in essence, if you go out on the balcony and you lean a little bit, you're going to basically go over because it's about waist high. Like to be able to sit in your chair in your living room and look out at your view. <laughs> well, that's what they have. That's what they have. They have a panoramic view of Beverly Hills. You're right. And Century City. They love it. Yeah. And you bring that up, you bring that up to the 42 inch requirement. It's right at eye level. <laughs> I have a question um, for you on the yeah. interest rates. What is the typical interest rate for a HOA loan? Or how do you come up with what that interest rate is? Is it a Oh, we just rate? pick a rate and we if it works, we do it. No, I'm just kidding. We <laughs> we our rates are new anywhere from the five percent range to four and a half, uh, depending on a lot of things, the balances and so forth, and and the dollar amount of the loan and so forth. But they're all in that range. There are some banks that have been doing much lower rates here and there, but then they throw in other caveats that change things around and they're not timely they then they want to change and it, it it just depends on what the association wants mm -hmm. i have tried all the years i've been doing it i have a statement uh, what you call the for the statement of information where i let them know here's what it is and that's what it is it doesn't change so in essence it's one stop this is it and this is what i can do and I've stayed with that for all these years and been really very successful in doing it. But again, I don't do every loan. I mean, there, there's no way that I do. I mean, some associations look for the cheapest and that's what they do. But then there's other things and caveats that come up that they go, oh my God, why'd we do that? Yeah, speaking <laughs> so, of caveats, now do you require a construction manager to be part of the project if they're doing like a, say a re-roofing project or a balcony project? Or is that up to the HOA? No, it depends on the dollar amount of the loan. If, it, if it's like a million and a half and two million, we require a project manager. Okay. Oh, that's a good question. And then do you also do third-party inspections from the bank like you do with a typical home construction loan if you're building a new build where they go out and see what's been built and verify that what, what you said you paid for is you've been paid for? Or is that something that you don't do with an HOA loan? I do not do that with an HOA loan and never have and never will. That's great. Because, you know, we, we don't look at it like a real construction loan where we have a title or interest in the building. We don't. All we have is collateral for the loan is the assessment. We don't have anything to do with the building. And we've kept it that way. And I've been successful with that. And has that question come up many a time? with different banks that I've worked with? Yes. However, don't ask me, I've been able to avoid that. And it's been working out very well.
That's, that's great. Because that's one of those hidden expenses that you may not be might might come up front with some banks if they require those types of things. So well, some banks never don't understand the industry at all and they still want to do loans. And then they ask for all these different items and it, it creates a problem and it adds more costs. You know, these loans are pretty safe because you're dealing with a lot of different owners. They don't work for the same company. They're not all going to have a major issue at the same time. So, you know, back off a little bit. How much do you really need in order to make the loan be a good loan? That's a great point. Well, I think if you look at your longevity in the industry and the fact you've never had a loan default, that speaks <laughs> that, <laughs> miles yeah. about how safe they are. So. Well, you, you, but Bill, that doesn't always hold with another lender that you have to go through the approval process with. <laughs> so, no. uh, huh. you know, and, and, and yes, we underwrite them in a certain fashion and maybe we underwrite them different than some other bank. I don't know. Maybe we do. I don't know. But this is how I've been able to get it done and do this. And I helped Pacific Western. I, I, I wrote the loan policy for the bank and allowed them to approve it through the board, which they did. So really, it's on my neck that we follow certain procedures. But again, they're, I don't want to say they're basic, but they're ones that make some sense that you need to know. That makes sense. Yeah. So one question, you know, I'm starting to see, you know, particularly in some of these older 80s associations you brought with, and some of them have pretty significant deferred maintenance. So, you know, they'll come and they're going to do a roofing project, but then they've got another, you know, huge project of residing or balcony decks or stuff that's like next in line. How much are you looking at each individual project separately? And are you looking in the reserves into the near future of what's coming down the road or? That's part of the underwriting bill. And that's what I do look at. I look at what on the reserve, what items are coming out on the next 10 years or so. And I have to address them and account for that. Although I do remove certain items that we're doing today that are in the reserve study that they do not need to reserve for going forward, at least in the same dollar amount. So that'll add more money into the reserves to help with the cash flow. Well, the name of the podcast is HOA. It's a true story. And this is the time in our show where you get to tell us a little bit about one of your stories. Well, I, I, I probably will do two stories because they are diabolically different. And what sometimes can come up when you go out and meet with the board and the members of the association. Right. Uh, before awesome. the pandemic, I would do town hall meetings and do presentations to the board, to the members and all that. Now, town hall meetings are quite interesting where obviously you have legal counsel, you have the contractor, you have myself, and we discuss the program. Members are always how much it's going to cost? Why are we doing it? They have umpteen questions that you try to answer timely, quickly. I mean, just short. This, this, yes, no, we can do it. Now, I had one that there were 3,000 homes. And 
they had a major project, which was this repipe. And the stadium, we had it at a school and the auditorium was full. You normally don't get that many people at a meeting. And it went on for a long time. When I say a long time, almost two hours. Okay. We're still there and discussing. Now, the management company, though, brought in ballots that they knew they had to sign and do and all that. After we finally got down to the last question, everybody did their talk and this and that. The management company asked, gentlemen, ladies, we have ballots here. If you understand what is to be done and realize it's something that is a necessity, if you want to come and get in line and sign up, sign, sign your ballot right now, <clears throat> you can do that. You know that everybody didn't leave the auditorium. They got in line and they all signed their ballot. And the, obviously the loan, the loan was approved on the spot at that meeting. So all I can say is I think all of us, including the contractor, the attorney, myself, explained and people understood because there was a special assessment involved in doing this. And they all signed up. Now, that's a little bit of an exception. Let me give you, yes. you another one that I was involved with a number of years ago where I went to do a town hall meeting also. Not, every, not a lot of people attended. It was this and that. And before I could even really do a presentation, the arguments between the members and the board and the attorney became in such a manner that I looked myself and my watch and I go, I do not belong here. This is not going to go well. And the arguments got stronger and stronger. And I finally said, everybody, time out. You don't need me here. You have other issues to take care of. Call me when you can get things up, calm down because I am leaving. Goodbye. And <laughs> this can happen with associations that have don't go to meetings don't do this don't do that and all of a sudden they're hit with something and they scream or, or somebody comes up well i don't want to do that i want to do something else well <laughs> this is not what it's about so anyway it happens both ways but truthfully over all the years i think i've probably seen almost every kind of <laughs> meeting that you can have but i would say that uh 80% of them turn out fine. I think we've seen a few of those meetings. <laughs> I've been to a few of those meetings. So. <laughs> sure you have, Bill. <laughs> but, I do uh, have one cute lending story, though. We were doing a large project in Daly City, and the bankers and everybody came, and they did the big presentation. And it was uh, pretty much uh, the community was probably primarily Russian immigrants. It was kind of an interesting group because of the different property issues coming from Russia to the United States. And so there was a lot of educational process, but this sweet little 95 year old lady came up to the banker at the end of the meeting and says, are you going to take my grand piano? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh God. Well, you know, I, I have one last one. When I was doing the defect litigation, uh, 
I was doing it with the attorneys and all that. And this one attorney was doing on an hourly basis. He wasn't doing on a, on a contingency. So we went to this meeting and the people were raising all hell. They were complaining to the attorney, you're taking our money, you're doing this, you're only in it for yourself. And they were just ragging on the attorney. So I nudged him and, and I told him, I, I think maybe it's time for me to talk. So I started to explain the loan and how it works and why we're doing it and this and that and everything else. And then the guy in the front that was giving us the biggest hard time in the world raised his hand. I want to talk. Oh, okay, here we go. And guess what he said? Oh, the bank is involved and wants to do this. And they think this is a really a good deal to do. And the bank's doing it. Well, if the bank's involved, I'm involved. Let's do it. <laughs> Changed completely from giving everybody a heart attack. Heart attack. It was, um, it was just crazy. But, you know, Bill, you've had them. I've had them. Uh, they're all different. But again, I think if you always let the association know you're there as an option, meaning the banker, I'm, I'm here as an option. You can do a special, you can do this, but here's something that a lot of people don't have. And it's there if you want to use it. Here's how it's done, and that's it. That's truly the nature of it, isn't it? Well, thank yep. you, Walter, for joining us today. If anybody would like more information about getting a loan uh, with Pacific Western Bank, you can go directly to their website. You can reach out if you're in Northern California to Sheila Adams, or you can contact us here at GB Group at inquiry at gbgroupinc.com, and we will put you in touch with Walter or Sheila to uh, get your loan process started. Thank you again, Walter, and have a great day, everyone. My pleasure. Bye.